welcome to the Urban Christian Woman podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for their everyday lives. I'm Tashika Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross, and we're your hosts. This season, we've got some exciting things in store. So join us as we study God's word, celebrate women living faithfully on mission, and dive into cultural issues through a biblical lens. You ready, Tashiva? Girl, yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's, let's go. go. Ladies, and welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. I am so grateful. You cannot see this, but I am am virtually sitting here with both of my sisters, Leah Ross and Sharon Hughes. And ladies, we've been digging in to this last um, series on creativity and culture. And this is our last episode and installation around this conversation of creativity and culture. And ladies, I'm so grateful that I've been getting to have this conversation with my friends. I know. This feels like a friend hang either way. (laughs) Yes, we're finally all three together in this virtual space. It's great. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. So ladies, if you have not listened to the previous episodes, I would say do not jump in right here. Uh, Go back to um, episode one of Creativity and Culture and episode two. They're not long, but it gives framing to um, God as creator as well as in episode two. We talk about how do we view art as followers of Jesus? How do we move forward to um, walking in the light and pushing back darkness and bearing witness as his daughters and doing that through our witness of creativity? And so this third episode today, we are having the joy of talking about art and redemption. And so, Sharon, you're going to be talking to us um, directly through your story of art and redemption through justice um, with your uh, visual print storytelling in Mothers in Black and White. And so share with our listeners a little bit about that and, um, yeah, your origin story with using um, this tool as a, as a place of redemption through justice. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the last couple episodes, I um, kind of a part of my photography story was there was a point where I connected those dots of this tool can be used to shed light on the things that God cares about in the world. And um, yeah, so I just, I be, I became sensitive to um, as I kind of did my job, as I shot weddings, as I shot different photos for organizations, my eyes became a little bit more open to opportunities to use the camera um, to for, for justice work, really. Um, and when I had my second son, Monroe, I actually took a pause from photo work. So I wasn't shooting weddings. I wasn't really doing any sort of paid work. I was home. And, you know, do you guys know the, the feeding, the changing of diapers, the very quiet, um, sleep deprived days. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I was, I was holding Monroe for hours and hours, um, during the day. And around this time, this was 2016, we were just seeing a lot more news stories, YouTube videos, phone videos 
of of black men being killed by police officers. And um, this wasn't new, but it was just sort of this, there was be, there was more aware awareness about it because of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember specifically hearing about uh, Philando Castile and then um, uh, Laqu- Laquan McDonald in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I just remember holding Monroe and uh, really just wondering, <laughs> like... I just had, you know, that that you have that fierce mama bear love for your child, especially mm-hmm. as a new mom. And I had, I've, I had, I was aware of these things happening, but there was some connection that was made where I was like, I could feel the fierce love for my son. And I was like, there's a mother out there that has that fierce love for her son that was just taken. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was a great injustice. And I just, I really, that's sort of where this was birthed mothers in black and white. I just, I saw everybody throwing in their voices to the echo chambers of social media. And I just, I just started praying, God, what can I do with my lens, um, with this, I, with this reality of being a mom that can shed light and bring justice to just a really big injustice in our world right now. Mm. 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 Yeah. And Sharon, where do you feel like it really started intersecting? Because what did you end up doing as you felt this call towards shedding a light um, towards the injustice? Yeah. So I just, as I prayed, I just, um, I realized how many conversations were happening online, but they weren't, they really weren't conversations. And I actually thought back to my time in Liberia, West Africa, which I talked about in a previous episode where people had to reconcile um, family members being killed. And that reconciliation did not happen on Facebook. <laughs> that mm, reconciliation right. happened in person, face-to-face, where there was listening and learning and uh, apologies. And so I just thought, what would it look like for me to just start with the people I knew and just ask these questions like, hey, what are your hopes for your sons? What are your dreams for your sons? What are your fears for your sons? And what would you want to tell me as, um, you know, a white woman? (laughs) What would you, what from your mother's heart, what would you want me to learn or to know? And so that's really how it started. I just, I just started meeting with a few close friends and then that just turned into them telling their friends, hey, do you mind if my photographer friend meets you and talks to you? And I just started slowly meeting with mothers, interviewing them, and then taking photographs of them with with their child. And I would bring my phone and kind of record our interview and just pull out quotes um, to attach to the photographs for a, for a photo series. It wasn't anything beyond that at the beginning. It was just more this simple personal um, Mm. Uh, project for me. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is prompting you, like you were talking about in episode two, to bear witness through yeah. through being with people, mm-hmm. listening and learning. And how long were you sort of gathering, listening, learning? Like how long was this whole <laughs> process? 
Well, I started in 2016 and I did it intermittently as, as it came up. Um, I, I did it intermittently for about two years. Um, and then we moved to Cleveland. Um, and I took a pause because we moved and it was a big pause. It actually Mm -hmm. was a two year pause, 2018, 2019. And then Mm -hmm. 2020 came around. When it's when it's when. Yes. And I um it was on my mind from the beginning to to start the series again to interview women in Cleveland, but I actually had my third baby. So it was it was hard to sort of get started. But when Ahmad Arbery was killed, um, I knew that, that was it was time to to mm-hmm. start again. Um, in this work of listening and learning and uh, yeah, of kind of sharing these mothers' voices. Mm-hmm. I love that even in like, as you walk us through that journey, Sharon, you're talking about it beginning like in the quietness of those hours and the transformation that God was doing in you first. Um, and that that led to like, spirit-led obedience which wasn't like boom this big thing but those steps of people finding people to listen and to learn from and to take that posture of humility of Mm -hmm. I have something to hear from you and you have a story that is wrought with pain and beauty and fierce love Mm -hmm. that is worth um, highlighting and being put on display and you're using your creativity to do that yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting because, um, there was a time where, you know what, you're right. It was just this quiet, small thing that was just for myself and for my friends and the few people that followed the project on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this moment in 2020, you know, when everybody was, uh, you know, on Facebook again, <laughs> mm-hmm. just throwing out their comments into the echo mm-hmm. chamber and I remember reading a comment from somebody I knew that was really degrading um, towards Black men in particular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I jumped in with my voice and it was completely, it didn't work. And it was, mm-hmm. um, it was, yeah, it was frustrating. And I just felt like God in that moment was just like kind of the women at the tomb. Mm. He was sort of redirecting them. And he was saying, you actually need to close your mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm. you need to now take all the voices of these mothers Mm. and bring them forward um, almost in a new way that hadn't been been happening before. Like, I want you to be a part of lifting these voices up so that people aren't answering to you. They're answering to 16 mothers who have fierce love for their son and know that they are image bearers um, of a a holy God. So that's what, that's how the the project really took a turn was in 2020. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And what do you, you know, I think about just, you know, your story and in journeying with this project how has this Holy Spirit been at work in your life because of what you've captured through the stories of these mothers and the lens, you know? 
Yeah, I think at the beginning, I really had a heart for sort of exposing this injustice that I knew was out there. But I think what was really interesting is almost in like my first or second conversation, some of these mothers talked about the overt racism, but also the covert racism Mm -hmm. that they were facing. So they talked about, if you live in an all white neighborhood, you need to ask yourself why. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Or if you haven't let a black person babysit your child, you have to ask yourself why. And so there were these things that were just, I was confronted with as a white person of this sort of covert racism that I had to sort of self-reflect almost right from the beginning. Um, so yeah, and to be honest, by the end of the series in 2021, I walked away from several interviews weeping. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it wasn't because it was in part because of the justice out there, but it was in part of the injustice that was actually in my own heart. And mm. I think God used this series to kind of transform my own thinking um, mm. and my own heart and my own biases and really clean out the areas that I actually, whether I like to admit it or not, kind of found that tension of, do I really believe that this is an image bearer? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was, it, it's was it been a powerful journey, I think for me personally in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, Leah, you talk, uh, you and mm-hmm. I talk a lot about this, but you talk about how when things are forming us, right, it can either lead to deformation or it can lead to transformation. And a huge Mm -hmm. part of um, the the urban Christian woman is this component of discipleship. We're all being discipled or formed towards something, right? Mm -hmm. And it can either be forming us uh, retroactively, right? We can be digressing or Mm -hmm. we can uh, be rising and growing and being transformed. And so talk to us a little bit around um, what happens when, why is it that Christ seeks to form and transform us um, in practical ways? Like, where is he pushing us towards? Why is he leading us in those directions, you know? Well, and I even want to add too, Sharon, like, um, I've always, I've had this thought in my mind for several years that um, an elder once said to me, like, that when we are pursuing, like when we're pursuing being a part of change and justice work, like mm-hmm. whether that's person in this situation, it was like personally in someone's life, like being a support to a vulnerable person. He was like, God always has you on the operating table, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're yeah. help, you're helping quote, you see me air yeah. quotes, this person, you're providing support, you're coming alongside the vulnerable, mm-hmm. you're in your case, Sharon, like highlighting the stories of mothers who have been impacted by racism and violence and God had you on the operating table. Yes. Mm. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Times, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and that's he really all he, of us creating, yeah. you know? And that's sort of the beauty mm. of pursuing justice through the lens of God is right. You're, he's really tenderizing our hearts. Um, you know, there's so many justice issues, but I think it's that idea of 
you know, we work for justice, but our hearts are also breaking um, for justice. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think that's by God's grace. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And do we want, I mean, I would love for us to talk a little bit more about like, even just the words of Jesus that have formed you in that space and, and, and can help us and the listeners really understand Mm-hmm. Like, how is God always guiding us in this? And what's the temptation maybe even, or did you have you experienced the wrestle? It sounds like you did in your story mm-hmm. of how we pursue justice versus embracing God's view of justice and following him. Yeah, well, we can maybe visit some scripture with this, but I will just say at the beginning that I think something that God has been teaching me that we we did talk about in episode two, um, that when we, that when God gets a hold of our lives mm-hmm. and our hearts, mm-hmm. it, uh, the end is not justice in the physical world. The end is justice in the eternal world mm-hmm. and our, mm-hmm. our work, especially when we've been given this new depth of field, not the, not what we saw before, but when God opens our eyes to the things of God, it actually transcends <laughs> Um, the here and now. So I guess that just means that we, we fight and we work and we pray for things to be made new here on earth, but all the way till, all the way until, um, thy kingdom come when the Mm -hmm. earth is restored and made new. Um, so I do think, yeah, I do think, um, pursuing justice with with the lens of Christ with this high depth of field is really transcending the um the physical mm-hmm. to the spiritual mm-hmm. <laughs> um to mm-hmm. yeah because we we can get really discouraged um Talk you know there it. was there was a woman that I interviewed um you guys know her Lorraine um, Tally, and mm-hmm. she had lived. I mean, she was a sharecropper, and she was spit on, and rocks were thrown at her. And she saw Martin Luther King assassinated. And actually, shortly after this photo series, she passed away. Mm-hmm. And her quote was, "We press on. <laughs> like we will continue to press on." And I think there's this sense of we might not see justice in full Mm. in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that justice is not on its way um, in Christ Mm. in this eternal sense. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one-sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. I know we talked about John, um, maybe looking at John 6, Toshiba, yeah. to kind of bring that 
um, together with scripture. Yeah, yeah. We talked about John 6 and looking at John 6 and um, 53 all the way into um, verse 66. And I'm going to read it. So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate and they did as Jesus is speaking to the Jews, right? The one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. We find in this text in John 6, 53 through 66, this conversation that Jesus is having, not just with the disciples, but right before this, the Jews are having this whole conversation around um, Jesus and the bread of life and um, that the life of the world is it is going to be through his flesh and blood, through his sacrifice being shed on the mm-hmm. cross, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and Jesus is taking it a step further, right? This is what the gospel does. It, it doesn't just leave us at um, the law, but it leads us to the fulfillment of Jesus, um, Jesus fulfilling the law and then pressing us towards the expression of who Jesus is to bear witness to a watching world, right? Mm. And so um, in this text, this is what he is sort of saying is like, listen, unless you drink my fl- drink my blood and eat of my flesh, not only will you not have life, but that you have to remain in me in order to experience um, the life that I am giving through the Father by the Spirit. And so um, we, he, he, he even pushes us just one step further, which I really want us to talk about, which is you can express uh, things in the flesh, but the mission that I have come for can only be accomplished through the spirit, because I'm going back to the mm-hmm. father after I finish this work. 
right? It's only going to be able to be done as my disciples, those who are going to follow me, who take up the name of Jesus Christ. It's only going to be done through the spirit. And people and the disciples were even saying, this is too hard to Mm -hmm. um, take in. It's hard to, to, uh, to embody so yeah. much so that not only does Jesus know this, but he knows that Judas is going to betray him where he goes from 12 to 11. And then that people are going to turn away. And I really want us to sort of dig mm-hmm. into this um, because I think this is the tension that we can have when we as image bearers who are meant to display the creativity that God himself has displayed um, in creation and through creation, right? That we're pushed towards expressing that, but our flesh can be tempted to get outside of his mission and be embodied in our mission. And so mm-hmm. let's unpack that a little bit in the context of this text. Yeah, I think I think it's easy to want to... It's tempting to want to follow God um, with our own sheer willpower mm-hmm. outside of the spirit. And the whole time you were talking to Sheba, I was reminded of the women at the tomb mm. who were um, kind of operating in in sort of quote unquote the flesh. Um, they were mixing those spices and tending to a grave site, but the the angels, the spirit of God, met them and they they tasked these women to go forth and mm. proclaim the message of the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this passage is talking about, that our willpower, our the way we operate in and of ourselves only takes us so far. Mm. <laughs> but when we Say use it. our bodies and our gifts and our creativity um, with the power of the spirit, it, it is so much more powerful. And it is, it's really um, about pointing people to Christ's redemptive work in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And I think these disciples, they were wrestling with that. It was like, this feels too hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm kind of doubting this whole thing because they weren't sure that Jesus was who he said he was. But but in, at the end of the day, um, God was calling them to, hey, I'm with you. My spirit is with you. Now go mm-hmm. um, and and be in my power, not your own power. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the reasons that uh, I think one of the reasons that they didn't, they had a hard time believing that Jesus is who he says he was is because it's so counterintuitive to say my flesh and my blood. You know, he's talking about his body is broken. There's, sac- there's suffering there. And then his blood is poured out. There's death that brings life. Like the disciples were not looking on that trajectory. They, they were weren't looking, looking towards, towards martyrdom. They were not they looking weren't, towards martyrdom. They were not looking towards dying to self. Yeah. <laughs> to suffering, to suffering and dying being the pathway to life. And mm-hmm. so it's like, they're like, no, this is, I can't understand this because I can't understand why you're telling me to take the low way that that's actually going to bring life. But that's like what Jesus is saying. He's inviting us into and inviting us to display. But it's a mystery, y'all. Like, that's why I like mm-hmm. love the connection between like, this is all talked about in the Old Testament, but it's concealed. 
Yes. And now in Jesus, it's exposed the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ suffering and dying so that we can have life and Preach. follow that pathway of laying down our life so that we can have eternal life. Like that's the pathway. And they're like, I don't understand it. It's a mystery. Well, of course it is because none of us in our, kind of like you were saying, Sharon, like in our flesh, we're like, no, we'll do it this way. We'll mix the spices. This is how you bury somebody. Like this is the next logical thing, right? Yeah. And the spirit is like breaking into what we perceive based on what's around us and showing yeah. us something else. And there's, I mean, I love it in a passage that says the flesh doesn't help at all. Like we can't understand this according to the ways of the things around us in our mm-hmm. tangible world. The spirit is leading us to something that we cannot see mm-hmm. and is unearthing the mysteries of God mm-hmm. Yes, that we cannot understand in our minds, but yes. we have the mind of Christ. So mm-hmm. we can understand it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Good. And, and Leah, even as you're saying that, I, I think about, you know, myself as I'm hearing this as a listener And, you know, the temptation can think that this is a one-time thing. And I love that these are Jesus's words. And Jesus says in 56, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains. That's an active word. And so for the sister who is sort of like, is this a one-time thing? He's The invitation that Jesus is giving us is, is that the call with our gifts, with our callings, it is a constancy of seeking to remain in yeah. him continually until we are with him and he makes yeah things right and new. And so, you know, this temptation to just sort of have it as a one-time sort of situation, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's like, no, this is an eternal work. Okay. Yes. And I just have to jump in and say, yes, we've been talking about this depth of field, right? That Mm -hmm. we, in Christ, we are seeing things longer and deeper. And I think, Yeah, once you've been given the Spirit of God to see things beyond yourself, it it does only continue. And you Mm -hmm. won't believe this, but it's very true that on our camera, there is a setting literally that's infinity depth of field and it's what? it yes and it's it, and i'm like this is what let it testify on this podcast <laughs> that's let why this testify. metaphor is so powerful because there's literally a symbol on the camera that stands for infinity and i think when we are following christ and taking on the eyes and the vision of christ it only moves in one direction towards eternity and towards the making of all things being wow. in Christ. Wow. So I think I love that you said that to Shiva. This isn't jumping in and jumping out. It's once we have the spirit of God and we're following God, we're on a path to use what he's given us to usher in this kingdom reality. And I think, yeah, I'm just really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And, and so, so Sharon, I have to ask you this because like you're, you're giving us expansion, you're giving us kingdom, you're giving us expansive view and expansive ideas. How do we pursue this while holding um, pain and a need for redemption in these areas? And, and I'm thinking about in very practical and tangible ways. Like for you, you were talking about like, listen, this started while I was holding my baby yes. and not being blind 
towards what was what was taking place around me. You know, so speak to the woman who has a gift for creativity or cooking or dance <laughs> or poetry writing, like someone who just likes to write prose, you know, um, talk to talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I could hear somebody listening to this and just being like, I just love writing poetry in the morning. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is all a little much, like pushing back the darkness until eternity. Um, but I will say this. <laughs> no big deal, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal, no big deal. I'm just bearing witness and pushing back darkness, okay? Yeah, I think there is so, in creativity, I do want to honor and respect. There is so much goodness in celebrating beauty, mm-hmm. um, whether that's cooking a meal or interior design or painting or poetry, we can kind of relish in the beauty of these practices. Mm -hmm. But I will say that if we relish in the beauty untethered from the pain, we are actually missing out on a part of God's heart for the world here and now. So (laughs) I will just I'm running a lot around my table. (laughs) I will just say like relish in the beauty, relish in the beauty, but be tethered to the pain. So for example, if you are cooking a meal, enjoy that meal, photograph that meal, share that meal with others, celebrate it. But maybe remember that there are many people that go without meals. And what does it mean to be in prayer for them? Or what does it mean to use your love of cooking to usher in the kingdom of God to restore where there's pain and brokenness. If you write poetry, like go for it, celebrate it, talk about the beauty of trees and the ocean and the cities, like don't shy away from that, but don't let it be untethered from you know, where we see pain and brokenness in our physical world. And I, I really think that beauty can be distracting if we are only focusing on beauty. I just mm. think we have to we have to hold beauty and pain in such a tension until Christ comes because yeah, I just come on now. Yeah, so I don't I don't want this to be so high level that we forget how this um, impacts our small our small expressions of art and creativity. Um, I just think, and I, I do think we can start with if we don't know if we don't know what that looks like. I think we can start in quiet spaces of prayer, like God, how do I use um, how do I use my painting? To for your redemptive purposes? How do I not get lost in this art form where it just sort of ends with me? But mm-hmm. how do I connect this medium um, to, to you and to what you're doing in the world? Mike, drop. <laughs> the doors of the church are now open as we... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just, it's my heart for, I just, I just, I am very Sharon, that is so, <sighs> it's so good. It's yeah. so good. It's mm. so, you've given us something, you've given us a gift. You've given us something so practical, so just like the next step, mm. the next thought to bring to the Lord. That's just, and, and you speak with such, um, 
Mm-hmm. Like you're talking a, from a place of deep intimacy with Jesus. Yes. I just want to celebrate that. Okay. Oh, like, come okay. on. God. Like, <laughs> holy smokes, y'all. Like, this is so, so good. So mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful to the Lord. I think as we, we don't even have to say anything else, y'all. Like everybody's got their marching orders. Okay. We all have something to think about, right? We all, we all He's do. We all have something orders. to think about. Yes. So, I mean, as we sort of come to a close, like if there's one question that you would want listeners to sit with and really process, like, first of all, I feel like that's it. But Mm. what do you want to leave us with and how can you exhort women um, sort of from this place? Yeah, she's left us with a question, honey. Okay. Like, I know. I'm I'm going to replay this for my... (laughs) Well, I would just, I would love to end this conversation actually with a quote from one of the mothers that I interviewed for Mothers in Black and White. Her name is Brenda Watkins and she is just a woman of faith. And in my journey of photographing mothers with Black sons, she reminded me of what we're talking about today, that our that we work for justice, that we use our skills for justice, but really that justice is not fulfilled until God's kingdom comes. Mm. Um, so I, I just, I just want to end with her words. Um, and she says, the only hope we truly have for the world is in Christ Jesus. And I do believe that. I believe that in my heart. In other words, my hope is really not in the systems of man. I certainly feel the systems can be utilized and can be aligned with God's will for justice. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to live in a just world. It is not just, and there's lots of challenges. And yet the hope that I have in Christ enables me, empowers me, encourages me to pursue justice in my small sphere or life and to expect it to pray for it and to work towards it, but also understand that it doesn't fully get realized until his kingdom comes. So my, I would like to echo what Brenda is saying and just what ask ourselves, what is our sphere of creativity and how do we work in the here and now? How do we pray in the here and now for God's redemption, but also hold out that that redemption um, in full is on its way. Hmm. That's amazing. Sharon, on that note, will you pray for us and pray to that end for the women? That's really beautiful. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. God, thank you for this series. We thank you that you have reminded us that you are creator God and that everything starts and ends with you. And God, I just thank you that through the power of your spirit, you offer us a a wider and a deeper perspective on life. Mm -hmm. God, that it's not what we can see on our own, in our own flesh, but through the power of the Spirit, we can see with your eyes the world and the sphere in which we operate in. And we come to you with all of our gifts, all of our expressions of art and creativity. And we ask God that you would use them um, to to redeem the world, Lord, that we would celebrate the beauty, that we would um, relish in the beauty, but it wouldn't be untethered from the pain and the sin and the brokenness that you came to the world to redeem. And God, we also keep our eyes 
on the end. God, when you will make all things new, and we just feel really excited that you allow us to be a part of that redemptive process. God, I pray that you would inspire each person listening to take up their skill, their paintbrush, their pen. God, to use their voice to sing out. Um, God, for for you, and um, and we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.